1: Hi, and welcome to Yeah, But It's Not As Simple As That. My name is Sam Wolfson. It's finally getting warmer, and you know what that means. An epidemic of violent crime on the streets of London. Already this year, we've been hearing about rising knife crime, shootings, and 27 young people dead in the capital. And with temperatures getting warmer and no sign of a change, things could be set to get worse.
2: There had been a shooting directly opposite this school and there was um, a zebra crossing, there was about 5,000 children crossing and right next to it was this big shrine and I just stopped there for so long and I couldn't help looking at it thinking, these kids have to walk past this every day.
1: There doesn't seem to be a consensus on what's behind the rise. Some people are blaming a lack of police funding, others say it's the government, perhaps drugs. Max Daly, who's on the podcast this week, has linked the problem to social media. So is London becoming more dangerous because of petty squabbles on WhatsApp? It's a complex problem, so it's going to have kind of complex solutions, and and you can do some knee-jerk things like kind of put more bobbies on the beat. We're going to hear from Max in a bit, but before that, here's Carol, a youth worker. She's had to deal with a lot of these kinds of attacks herself. She's worked quite closely with both perpetrators and victims, which you're going to hear about in a sec, and sometimes she's even felt herself at risk.
2: So this young man was uh, 15. Um, I'd known him from when he was 11. Uh, he was in and out, um, involved with gangs. He would tell you till he's blue in the face that he had no involvement with gangs, but we all knew that he was involved with gangs. He was involved in a couple of stabbings. Um, he was habitual knife carrier and would always carry knives on him, conceal them in his shoes. In his socks down his trousers in his waistband um, in his boxer shorts so yeah habitually carry a knife he pretended to be a girl on social media um, arranged to meet this young person that was from another gang uh, got him to an area and then kind of jumped out on him and pulled a knife out on him stabbed him in the knee uh, I don't know how it ended up in the knee I think there was a bit of a scuffle but he ended up stabbing him in the knee Certainly there seemed to be quite a pattern of that going on at one point. We had um, a number of young people I know were were involved in the same thing. Um, They would set up accounts on uh, Snapchat or Facebook and then for some of them they would share the phone. So a couple of them would have the phone one night, one would be chatting to him, another night someone else would be chatting to him pretending to be this girl. And then they would do that for a couple of weeks, sometimes even longer, and then it would kind of lull the person from the other gang into a position where he would feel comfortable meeting girls off the internet. But I think think that's quite a thing. I mean, I've met a fair few people that have kind of been threatened, stabbed, and also people that have used that as a way to get to know other people. So the reason why he wanted to get involved with that, get involved with that violence, use the knife or potentially stab this young person was because he knew that he was in a rival gang or a rival group. He said to me that the actual beef between them wasn't even directly between them two. We counted back to seven people in between that actually they had their initial tension and then there were seven incidents in between before that incident. You know, it wasn't even the person before this issue or before that or before that. It was so far removed from actually where they were now. And it had been going on for about nearly two years altogether. But unfortunately, that's kind of how it is in terms of the tip attack kind of attacks that go on. Sometimes when I've got them to look back at how it started and where it started, some of them don't even know. They just know that I don't like that group, I don't like that gang, I don't like that person. So I've just got to go and do what I've got to do. So after the stabbing, they were slightly worried, uh, not really worried enough to kind of make any changes, but certainly a little bit worried, but not too worried. I think there's quite... um, quite a hype I think they're quite excitable Um I've dealt with a few cases where stabbings have taken place even a murder and there's been CCTV in place that have shown the boys running away laughing jumping kind of quite happy I think a lot of it is adrenaline I think there's fear there as well um, although I don't think any of them would ever admit that I think largely a lot of it is fear nervousness, I can't believe I've just actually done that. A lot of them were uh, eventually received big sentences for a murder that took place. Um, I think there was quite a large number of them that were um, either convicted for something or convicted of manslaughter in relation to a young person that was killed. In relation to that specific incident, he wasn't ever charged with it. So um, the other young person didn't really engage with the police. So, And unfortunately, something that we see a lot is a lot of young people involved with stabbings that don't end up getting charged for those stabbings.
1: So this is obviously difficult work and it's made more difficult for Carol because she knows people herself who have died because of street violence.
2: I got a call at early in the morning, half past six in the morning from a young person that I used to work with. I ignored it because I thought, it's half past six, why are you calling me? Um, And then I got a text saying, you need to phone me urgent. So I called him and then he told me that this young man that I'd been working with had been murdered the night before. So um, I work with under 18s. Um, Some of the young people that I work with, I stay in contact with um, every now and then just to kind of catch up, see how they're getting on. Um, I'd known this young person from when he was 13. Uh, He was now in his early 20s. Um, He had literally called me 24 hours before, um, kind of off the cuff. How are you doing? Thought I'd just give you a quick call. Um, We had quite a long chat, about 45 minutes to an hour on the phone. Uh, He was so happy, um, in such a good place. Really kind of positive chat. He was not kind of minimising where he was in life. He was accepting that he was still kind of ducking and diving, so to speak. Um, He was very real. He was kind of quite open about some of the things he'd been involved in. Um, I'd known about, although he was older now, I'd known about stuff that he'd been involved with since he finished with us, you know, after he turned 18. And we'd arranged to meet like three or four days after um, I was going to go and meet him and we were going to have some lunch. Um, and then literally 24 hours later, he was stabbed and uh, passed away, unfortunately. Compared to a lot of the other cases, it's not had a lot of press. It was a good couple of weeks before he was even named in the press. When the press kept putting out the images of all the young people um, and the adults' kind of photos, names, he just... It was his age and the place where he was killed, nothing else. Um, So quite limited. um, And that's kind of the sad thing, is that he's just another statistic in the paper of someone else that's been killed in London. And it's kind of quite sad. I think sometimes for the professionals working with these young people, people don't really consider that we're upset by it as well. You know, we're, for whatever period of time, we're part of their lives as well wanted or unwanted but you kind of watch these young people grow and you see them and I think it shook me more because I'd just spoken to him the day before and we had plans to meet and it kind of I'm so sorry I think that's the reality of how quick it can happen I think the professionals feel it as well. I think, you know, obviously, the. F- I can't imagine what families are going through because I know how I feel as a professional. You know, sometimes I wouldn't speak to him for nine months, a whole year without speaking to him. So it wasn't like I was in his life every day. I think it was more shocking because I'd just spoken to him and that's kind of how quick it can happen you think he had plans he was in quite a good place but they can kind of i think for those that kind of live in in those situations they're involved with groups or gangs or however you you know however people want to call it there's kind of a sense of even when they want to how can they ever kind of remove themselves from it Because people that might, ten other people down the line might know them from, have heard their name before and and know that they were connected to a certain group and that they can just take a life without kind of... That person that killed him might not... He might be like the other case where there's seven people in the middle. It's got nothing to do with him. There's part of me that questions how much he was trying to get out. There was still quite a financial pull in terms of... um, things that he was involved with um but I told him that I'd recently left my job to do some work focusing specifically on gangs rather than offenders um and he was really positive he he kept saying you know I want to come and help you I want to tell these kids how it really is tell these kids what life is like um you know if you don't kind of sort yourselves out he was kind of suggesting that You know, he wanted to make a difference, and I I think he probably did. I've I've worked with a a few young people that have um, sadly passed away. I've not been to a funeral before. I was invited to one many years ago, um, a different incident. A young person was killed on a moped. You know, some of these families, in their moment of grief, I don't think they want people that work with their child because they were offenders. They might not want them there. You wouldn't want family questioning, who's that over there? and then having to kind of answer that um i would like to go to his funeral um, because i could see past in in no means am i kind of saying that he was innocent like i said i you know i knew a lot of what he'd been involved with um but i knew another side to him he was a really funny really bright intelligent young man um and like I said, you know, for whatever period of time we're in their lives, they become kind of part of our lives. I know that I, I managed to get him into college and I took him on his first day. So I got him like a little envelope, a little plastic folder, put a notepad in there, got him some pens, I put a, a big, pink, fluffy pen in there for him to write with as a bit of a joke, put a Mars bar in there and a bottle of Coke and kind of did this whole sort of bag thing and then put £2.50 in there and I picked him up and I dropped him off to college and I said, oh, I feel like, I feel like your parents, like taking you to school on your first day, like your lunch money's in there, a little snack for you and, you know, it, it was kind of a bit light-hearted because really I was just dropping him off, um, but I wanted to make sure he was prepared and um, And like I said, you know, for whether it's wanted or unwanted by the families or the young people, you're part of their life for that period and it's hard kind of it's hard not to get involved with young people in terms of you do the work because you want to help them and it's hard to kind of come away from that sometimes when you see a young person that really wants to move forward, but sometimes is kind of caught up in stuff that they just can't control. They can't, they can't come away from it. They can't kind of move forward. It's, it's kind of like a shadow behind them. And then whatever he does, the shadow does, and that kind of sticks to him. I had a lad that I worked with that said to me, I could come back to my area in my 30s in a suit and a tie, married with children, my own house, my own job, and someone's going to remember me and someone's still going to have issues with the things that I've done in my past.
1: Thanks very much to Carol for sharing some of those stories with us. So you get a sense of some of the individual cases. What we don't quite know yet is why this is happening.
3: Hi, I'm a journalist who specialises in writing about drugs and crime and I write a column for Vice called Narcomania.
1: So Max, he's written a lot about knife crime in the past for Vice. In a recent article he said, it's a bloody time to be young and working class on the streets of London. So obviously we, we've heard some quite distressing stories, but it's almost hard to tell with crime reporting whether you know, individual distressing stories like that are reflective of a, of a wider picture. I mean, do you get a sense that there is a, a rise in overall violent attacks?
3: Yeah, the statistics show that um, during 2017 and 2018, there's been a definite rise in the number of young people murdered on the streets of London. And you know, in April... This year, in early April, there were three uh, young people killed in the space of three days. And I think the last time this was as high as the figures of 2017-2018 was in 2008.
1: And so why was it high in 2008 and and why is it high again now?
3: (laughs) Do we know? It's a very complex question, that, um, with many, many different possible answers to it I mean all you, you one, one thing you certainly can say is that um, anyone who tries to blame it on one particular thing is certainly wrong so you get you know politicians or newspapers or MPs, whatever, saying it is down to social media, or it is all down to the drug trade, or it is all down to lack of policing or stop and search. So that they're they're all wrong when they say that it is just down to one of those things. And what it is, it's a it's a complex mix of many different things. Well, maybe what, let's go through yeah by yeah. One. I mean, what, what I what I kind of decided to do for a recent article in Vice because everyone was asking why is this going on and um, so I decided to look at the cases that had gone through the courts the the, the murders in London of young people over 2017 to, to look at what caused these deaths and and what I found was it was a kind of a mix of kind of petty almost petty social media beefs tit for tat revenge and kind of small world rivalries I didn't find that Particularly, it was the drug trade. I didn't find any much evidence of any kind of drug turf killings like you might get in America, for example. To give you an example, there was one guy who was killed because he put too many laughing emojis on Snapchat. There's one guy who was killed because some eggs were thrown at the wrong front door. So it's that kind of stuff uh, that, that, that people are getting killed for. And obviously, there's also the whole postcode rivalry thing. There's people making music videos on YouTube and other, and other people getting annoyed. There's one guy last year was killed over a 10 bag of weed that was a dispute from th- a three years old dispute over a 10 bag weed.
1: I mean, social media has been around for a long time. Issues around sort of postcode wars have been around for a long time. Do we have any idea why it seems to be sort of bubbling over particularly now?
3: There's a definite domino effect. So violence kind of begets violence when someone gets stabbed uh, in your neighbourhood people armed themselves more than they had done before then there's obviously like revenge attacks so if someone's kind of crew member is stabbed then the other lot are going to try and get revenge on the other lot so that there's this kind of almost a bit of an arms war there's a kind of a tit-for-tat revenge so once you you kind of do get flurries of attacks, and, and the reason you get flurries of attacks in particular areas, which has happened this year, like you'll get a flurry of attacks in Walthamstow or Tottenham or Hackney, is because people are getting armed up as a result of what's happening in their area, and the friends of those who have been killed are taking revenge on on their suspected attackers. But obviously, there's a lot more kind of deep lying reasons to this.
1: It's quite an interesting issue because, as things like Cultural issues, music, social media have come up. Normally there is a a kind of liberal response to when those things have been brought up in the past, particularly by conservative politicians going, you know, it's not just because there's violent lyrics doesn't mean that there's going to be violence. That kind of attitude seems to have changed this time, that people are actually looking a bit more into, for example, the lyrics of songs.
3: The only reason I'm saying this um, is because this is what the people who have done the stabbing and who have been stabbed tell me that's the only reason i'm saying it so but they're saying that it's not just because of that but that is part of a kind of a culture of many different cultural things and uh stuff going on that is making this occur so much and you know i I think a lot of people do live in this really small world so if you're living on an estate in whatever in south london you feel trapped um any slight kind of Lack of respect can be a huge, huge thing, way more than for for the average person on the street. They could may, maybe forget about it. But in some of these communities, it's it's blown up out of all proportions. And that's why you get these kind of terrible killings happen
1: previously without social media you can disrespect someone and that might happen in private whereas now if someone's saying something that's in a kind of public forum everyone gets to see then you're almost left with no choice but to react in some way yeah
3: you have to because uh, you know it, 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 this guy i was interviewing today who had, had got stabbed last last year he was saying that there's no way that you know if, if you can't protect yourself if you keep on getting robbed if you don't hold you know if you don't respond to criticism you're a goner anyway. Like you, the, the girls don't respect you. People will take the piss out of you. They'll just rob you. So you can't, it's, a, it's a tough world, and you have to act tough in that kind of scenario. And that's why he carried a knife with with him literally every day. And even after he was stabbed, he carried a knife in his crutch because he had to protect himself. He didn't have any other option.
1: There was obviously a lot of discussion about acid attacks last year and kind of quite crazy statistics about how often that was happening. Have those attacks died down while knife crime has risen? Are those things related in any way? Is it different groups of people?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I think acid attacks, you know, that was written about last year because it was huge rises in the number of acid attacks. And that was mainly... It was across the country, but it was mainly in East London and Essex. It was often related to young offenders. So it's young offenders um, using it to rob people, using it as revenge attacks instead of knives. It was also used sometimes outside of London with young drug dealers going on county lines to sell um, in places like Cambridge. And they would be squirting drug users who didn't who tried to nick money or tried to nick. Uh, drugs, or they might be squirting rival dealers. So there's this huge jump in in those attacks. And again, I think it was like I was saying with with knife attacks. I think once there's been a, a spate of a, of acid attacks, people start using it more. I know it sounds like it it's Ill, you know it's it's a strange thing um, because it's obviously such a horrific thing. People start getting really long sentences in the court, but still people going right well that seems to be the thing to do i'm going to get acid to protect myself in, in case maybe someone else has got some acid so it became the kind of like one of you know the weapon of last year and i think although it's less in the media now when someone asked me whether acid attacks had just completely died out i was started doing a little bit of research into it and i and they, and they haven't they're still going on probably not as much as they were last year but it's it's still going on
1: you know like i was looking through stories that have happened even since April about a 19-year-old who was stabbed over a WhatsApp argument who was least gay. There was a story just yesterday about two 17-year-old girls uh, who one stabbed another after some kind of Instagram tit-for-tat. When you talk about a small world, just how small can that world be?
3: A lot of these people are living in quite contained communities, usually on kind of housing estates and streets and low-rises and particular neighbourhoods and particular postcodes. So it is is a world where there's a lot of people kind of crammed together and a lot of people know each other's business, especially amongst young people. Um, Now, this is like kind of times 100 by Instagram, which just... and uh, Snapchat and, and other things like that, which acts as a kind of like a non-stop live in-your-face news bulletin of every little thing that happens to every young person in that area. So if someone's had their... If someone's fallen over, someone's been robbed, someone's slept with someone else, someone's got a stupid haircut, literally everyone will know about it in, in the space of five se- seconds, and, then, and everyone else will be laughing at them. What most people do is they have to do something about that, and then that can sometimes result in people stabbing each other or shooting each other because... In, as I say, in this small, small world, relatively small beasts can take on a massive importance.
1: You said at the start that there hasn't been this higher level of uh, knife crime since two thousand and eight. Obviously, since you know, there's been a lot of reporting on these attacks. There's a kind of reaction; something needs to be done. Is there anything, any sense that you get of how the the heat was taken out of the situation previously, and if there's anything we can learn from before about? about if anything can be done
3: it's a complex problem so it's going to have kind of complex solutions and and you can do some knee-jerk things like kind of put more bobbies in the beat be more restrictive about social media about youtube videos things like that that you could do that may help but i would say that if you're if you really want to try and get to the root of this problem and stop these waves of killings in london and this is what Quite a lot of people on the streets have been telling me people who have done stabbing and who have who have been stabbed themselves they they say that you've got to try and change things earlier on in their lives and they're always talking about education so a lot of them basically were pretty much kind of goners from a school at age about age eleven twelve so the, and, and a lot of them talk about kind of being dropped too easily as in like the, the education schools didn 't make enough of an effort to to help them, and so they went down this kind of pathway of being expelled from school then they 'll be expelled from another school then they 'll end up in a pupil referral unit where basically everyone ends up selling drugs anyway, and then they 'll be on the streets hanging around doing nothing with people who are selling drugs who then have to get kind of armed up because they 're out on the streets in the community there 's going to be small beefs over everything and uh, that it can end in people getting killed. So what I'm saying is that I think if I was suggesting one major way of stopping this happening, it would be try harder in education.
1: Thanks very much to Max and Carol. Obviously, this is a really tough topic. Appreciate you guys talking it through with us. Thanks also to our producer, Sam Bonham from Rethink Audio. Obviously, this is the end of the episode, but also the end of the series. Like a French politician, we're going to take a long, boozy summer break and we'll be coming back with season four soon. Until then, my name is Sam Wolfson. Am I the best podcast host in the world? Well, yeah, but it's not as simple as that.